joining us today on a very special edition of Pushing Through. It is a legend from Little Washington, North Carolina. He is the human highlight film. He is, uh, once I met him in person, I realized that he may be the GOAT. I know a lot of people say that certain people are the GOAT. Dominique Wilkins, a man who is a Hall of Famer, and he's joining us on Pushing Through today. Neek, we appreciate you joining the program. Well, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Always good to come and talk to my main man, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nick, I appreciate you coming on. So, Nick, no I got to get right to it. I got to get right to it. I, mm-hmm. I, I got so many things you and I talk about, but I want to ask you right. something that I've never sure, asked sure. you before. Mm-hmm. You know, Nick, there are scores in the league and there are shooters. I want to ask a true score like yourself. Have you ever seen a shot you didn't like or you couldn't make? <laughs> Only if I was sitting on a bench. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I never worry about the shot I missed. But you can't sit back and worry about the shots you missed because the thing is with great scores, once they make that first one or two shots, they get that swag, they get that rhythm. Now they start feeling differently out in the floor. You feel like everything you want to put up will fall. I mean, I've had games where I've missed my first 10 shots and still end up with 30 and still shot around 50%. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. You know? Nick, you know? How did you develop? No, seriously. In all serious, ever since I've known you, you've always had this mentality. Where, where did you develop this mentality? Like, you just, you you know, you, you just know moved what? on. BJ, I tell you, I, I developed that mentality from those hard streets in Baltimore, Maryland. Mm-hmm. It was a playground legend named Harold that taught me how to play basketball when I was 12. And he said, look, I want you to come to the boys club every day. And I want to teach you how to play the game, but I'm going to teach you the right way. You're going to owe me. And at 12 years old, I didn't know what that meant. He said, the only thing I want from you is to give to someone else what I'm about to give to you. So he gave me the courage in that tough neighborhood to make my own decisions and leave at a very early age. And I left when I was 16 and never looked back. I've been on my own since I was 16 years old. So that's how I developed that attitude. And I, would, I never let anybody tell me what I couldn't do. And then when I became a basketball player on a competitive level, man, you know, I played the game at one speed and that was all out. And, you know, hey, I might have been playing against another great player, but he he had to know that he was playing against a great player on the other side. So I was always willing to be willing to match the other guy's intensity or his passion on playing the game. And, uh, I love to score, man. Just like guys like Michael, they love to score. You know, the great scorers love to score, you know. But at the same time, we were, we wanted to win. Right. And so right. we never took nights off. We never made excuses, man, because it was all about competing. And one of the most famous games, Nick, in your career and probably, you know, in the, the annals of basketball history is in 1988, you and Larry Bird, BJ would call him Tweety Bird. You guys go back and forth in a game seven. And <laughs> and it's, uh, and it's you know, a lot of people point to that game. And you have said it was the best basketball was whoever had the last shot. And just the, the going against Larry Bird in that moment and in that game, what did that feel like? And is that technically basketball euphoria in your mind? Well, the reason why that game was so important because of the circumstances we were playing on. You're talking about, you know, whoever play, whoever win that game, go to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it's set up for one of the greatest shootouts ever game in history. And i tell you, I believe how it came about is, you know, Bird guaranteed to win after game six. We had a chance to close it out in game six, and we came up short by two in that game. We kind of gave that game away. And Larry made a prediction and said, Atlanta blew the opportunity. I'm guaranteed to win in Boston. 
And I remember just before I came out of the locker room in Boston, and I stopped and I said to my team, I said, we're going to win this bleep bleep game. If you ain't ready to fight, you ain't ready to go to war, don't come out. Because whoever guarding me tonight going to have a long night. <laughs> Unfortunately, Bird was telling his players the same thing on the other end. <laughs> you know, but it kind of set up that, that, that great shooting match in that fourth quarter. But it was also something that happened in that game. And towards the end of the third quarter, I remember Kevin Willis reached across me and put his finger in Larry Bird's chest. And he said, don't let this so-and-so score anymore tonight. And I looked at Kevin. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> so you don't want to awaken a sleeping giant because he only had 12 points going into the fourth quarter. And when he did that, Larry Bird's eyes got so big, man, I knew it was going to be on. So I'm taking a blow, Cliff Livingston in the game. And he proceeded to tune him up in that fourth quarter. And Coach said, Nick, go in there and stop him. I'm going to stop him. He hot now. Ain't nothing I can do to stop him. I said, we're going to just go toe-to-toe. <laughs> That's how it happened. You know, I, you know, that was a game, bro. He, I think he had 24 in the fourth quarter. I had like 20. We was going at it. He's a bad man. Mm-hmm. Bird was a bad man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick, Nick, you know, it was so many great players in that era. And I want to talk about that. But Nick, mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about your high school. Your high school team. Oh, yeah. You played yeah. there, Little Washington. You played on some with some great players. Mm-hmm. And how that really influenced the player that you became, obviously becoming one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You know, when I first came to that high school team in Washington, North Carolina, I wasn't the best player. It was a guy named Alvis Rogers, who was six eight, six nine, brute strength. He won the state in the high and low hurdles. He was a hell of a basketball player. Now, over a year of span, you know, I became, you know, the leader best player of that team, but he was the guy, and that team was unbeatable. That team was unbeatable. We went 6'9", 6'8", 6'8", 6'6", 6'5", was the starting lineup on that high school so Who team. was on the team again? Remind me, who was on that it was team? a guy named Alvis Rogers, who went to Wake Forest. Yep. Towards me up, would have been a first round, high first round pick if he wouldn't have got hurt. He had a guy named Eric Harris, who went to Evansville. Sean Williams, the UNC Charlotte. Guy named Tony Boston. We, we, man, we had so many guys. My brother Gerald, who played 14 years in the NBA, wasn't good enough to make the team. Wow. That's how good this team was. We yep. went 76 and one in three years. Really? Unbelievable. Really? Um, but 76 and one. The state of North Carolina now. Man, we played against Buck Williams and I played against Mitchell Wiggins, all them guys in high school. Where you play against James, James Worthy? Me and Worthy ain't never get a chance. You know, we talked about it for years, man. You can still see the tension between us. <laughs> you know, everybody wanted to know who was the best player in North Carolina. And, you know, I remember Worthy said to me years ago, he said, man, it's just too bad we never got a chance to play. I said, I don't know, Worthy. We might have gotten your ass, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, know I, you know, of course, we were just kidding around because I got a lot of respect for James. But. That's the only time, that's the only thing we regret that we never got a chance to play against each other in high school. They, they had a great high school team, too. And, and then, Neek, obviously playing there in Little Washington, you mentioned Wake Forest is where Alvis Rogers goes. And then you got Duke, North Carolina, NC State. All those schools are coming after you. You kind of blew yeah. up on the scene. What was that like in that period? Virginia, Georgia, obviously you go to Georgia. Man, listen, I, I, got, recruited <laughs> by all the, I got recruited by all those schools, man. And everybody knew from the time I was in 10th grade that I'm probably going to go to UNC. Uh, NC State, Wake, or Maryland. Mm. You know, those are the schools they thought I was going to go to, and those are the schools that I really loved at that time. And, you know, I signed a letter of intent with North Carolina State. And at the last minute, I changed my mind, went to Georgia, and that's when all hell broke loose, and they basically ran me out of that state. Mm. Who was at NC State at the time? Man, you know, who, who, who was – I tell you what, who was, we were going there together. It was me, 
Thorough Bailey, Wittenberg, oh. and Lowe. You know, going oh. out at the same time. Oh, man. Don't know about people. Don't know about people. Man, let me tell you. Hey, that With team Jimmy we win a national champion. Can you imagine that team? When we'd been like, what? They had Lorenzo Charles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. They had, man, they had a squad. But actually, yeah. when I left and went to the pros, University of Georgia played them in the Final Four. Mm -hmm. Had them beaten. But they ain't have enough down the stretch to hold them off. Mm. Yeah, that's my man, Wit. That's my man, Wit. Listen, man, all of us played against each other in high school, man. We played on All-American teams. We traveled all over the country. Those guys, we were close before we went to college. And, and Nick, you had a chance, too, to go to North Carolina and play with Worthy and potentially yes. young Michael Jordan as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Dean Smith came in. He's one of the first big schools that came to my home, and he said, look, we, we really want you at Carolina, and the guys we're bringing in, this would turn me on. He said, you and James Worthy is going to be the forwards, you know, on the team. He said, can, he said, can you imagine what this team could, could potentially be like with you two guys playing the forward spot? He said, then, yeah, Al Wood there, you and him will probably be split in time. I said, split in time? He can't hold my jock. He ain't split in time. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I signed 11-10 with North Carolina State. And then last minute changed my mind. But either way, when, either one of those teams, I mean, it couldn't have went wrong. Both of those teams ended up winning the national championships. Yeah, absolutely. And then just, a, I mean, that whole period of time, all those guys, like all the ripple effects of you making that decision. But you said you got ran out of the state of North Carolina. Did you feel like you couldn't even come back and enjoy your hometown after the fact you decided to I didn't not go to back for 30 years. Oh, my really? goodness. 30 years, man. The only reason I went back because ESPN did a documentary on my life and um, Little Washington was a part of that. And he said, look, we want you to go back to Little Washington. We want to do this, and I didn't, and I intentionally didn't want to relive all that. So it took mm -hmm. me a long time to agree to do that special. But the mayor of Washington, North Carolina, drove from there to Atlanta, and came to my unveiling of my film. And I said, you know what? If he can do that, I can go back. I can go back if he can take the time and drive where because the, the you know administration has changed. And so, you know, I had cross burn in my yard when I made the decision to go to Georgia. I mean, I got F's, all S on my transcript, windows bust out to my paint port in my mom's car. So it was some bad, bad stuff, man. Mm. You, you know, Nick, when you when you when you made the uh, you know the transition from college and you know a very successful co collegiate career, and you go to the NBA. Mm -hmm. You know, you, every time we would play you guys, especially in Chicago, there was always a little, <laughs> there was always a little step, like that little laugh right there. There was always a little step. And Nick, you would always do something very special. The first shot of the game, Dominique was going to shoot a three. <laughs> what was your, why would, why did you always do that? And we always hope that you made it. <laughs> well... If I made it, that means somebody was gonna have a long night. If I made it, that's what I felt. But I felt like it, I felt like it opened the game up me, opened the game up for me to attack more, to get to the to get to the rack. Right, and if I right. hit that first one or two threes, they're gonna extend their defense out. That's when I can put it on the floor and do my thing. Hey, Nick, what did you and Michael have going? I mean, you know, you know him, I know him. What was going on between you two? Because there was certain games where he was going to get serious. Michael and I, man, listen. Yeah, I mean, you know what? We brought out the best in each other, man. I knew that the cat was coming. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he knew I was coming. You know, we, we, we talked about this often, you know. And I didn't realize someone brought this to my attention not too long ago, that he and I, our career against one another, 
we've averaged over 30 points a game for a career against each other. That's amazing. <laughs> I never even thought of that. But well, it shows you our level intensity and, and, and willing to compete on the highest level against one another. And unfortunately, <laughs> the other guys on both teams was they had to suffer the consequences. Oh, oh, oh I suffered the consequences. <laughs> oh, I knew that night. <laughs> you know, you know. Hey, you, I don't know if you remember this, BJ. I think I scored like 57 at home, and we go back to Chicago. And we just walked in the locker room, and Michael walks in our locker room, shooting time. I'm like, what the hell is he walking? I'm like, he going to the training room or something? You know, I'm, like, hey, I'm getting pissed off, you know? So he walks by me, he walks by Kevin, he taps Randy Whitman and says, lace him up, it's gonna be a long, bleak, bleak night. <laughs> <laughs> and I ain't know what to say, man. I'm like, well, you know, tell that so-and-so Scotty Pippen, I'm gonna get it. I ain't know what to say. Mike had 60 that night. <laughs> hey, hey, man. I'm like, man, this dude is something else, man. But no, that was the way we played against one another, man. We brought out the best in each other. Neek, that for sure. That that was a that was one of the games that we knew what he was gonna do. We knew what she was gonna do. And it was almost like it was just like it was heightened because y'all could just score with the best of them. And and, and the entertainment value, well, we especially when you come to Atlanta. <laughs> I mean, we brought everybody out. They come to see Neek. Yeah, man. <laughs> they come to see MJ. <laughs> And I was like, this just like Michael is in Chicago. Hey, man, this is my house, man. You come in short at my house, man. You know, it's going to be a battle here tonight. And the same thing with Chicago, man. Mike was, man, probably the most fun I've had playing basketball was playing against him. Really? Yeah, for sure. Mm. Because, you know, it made basketball fun. It made all those years of, of trying to, to get to a certain level, it made it all worth it right. when I played against him. It's him. Right. I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was like I couldn't wait to play against Chicago. You know, <laughs> I couldn't. I mean, you know, we had some great battles. We had chances, a chance to do special things, but we just didn't have that extra guy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. to help get over that hump. But man, I tell you what, it takes nothing away from what we did and how we competed. Right. And you guys competed not just obviously playing in the playoffs and playing in games. You guys competed in the dunk contest, and we were in Chicago this year. Everyone's talking about 1988. And, you know, there's a lot of people talking about who should have won the dunk contest. I mean, well, we, get, we did a today. cool little skit. We did a cool little skit. I'm surprised he agreed to it. You know, but it was it was funny. But you know, this is the thing I tell people: no matter who won, the fans got their money's worth. And the fact they're talking about 30 some years later, let you know it's the greatest yeah. dunk contest ever. I don't yeah. care what anybody says yeah, because right. all we did. Use our imagination, our ability, and the past sneakers. That was it. We didn't need all that other stuff. Yeah, no cars, no Kias yeah, rolling out. Yeah, it, it was because I remember. I ain't biting no there. teddy. I ain't biting no teddy bears. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I ain't on no tape, you know, because when because you want to leave something to the imagination, you mm-hmm. know. So you you don't you don't want the fans to see what's coming. You want right. them to be surprised when it happens. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. Neek. You know. Um, you know, we live in this age now, and you do a wonderful job over there on television and all the things for the Hawks. Low management. How would Dominique, <laughs> if I told Dominique he couldn't play? Because Dominique wanted to play every minute of every game. That was our era. What would you, how would you respond if I said, hey, Nick, you can sit out? Me and Uncle out. should be fighting. <laughs> <laughs> we have a fight for real. 
a therapist, anybody would come to me, you know what, Nick, you know, you're a little banged up. You're taking a night off. No, I'm not taking I said, my teammates taking the night off? Well, I'm not taking the night off. I, I didn't believe in, because I felt like this. I felt like if I didn't play, not only I let myself down, I felt like I let my teammates down. I let my organization down. I'm not going to let them go out there and fight and fend for themselves. We're going to fight. If we came in together, we're going to go out together. Every great player in the era would tell you the exact same thing. Mike played with 103 temperature. Right. And scored an average over 30. You know? <laughs> you know? I mean, but that's who we was. I'm not, I'm not discrediting anybody what people do. I'm just telling you the way we were. Mm-hmm. I just didn't believe in taking games. Because I felt like, and, and, and all those great, and BJ, I'll tell you, if you took a game or two off, you lost a little something, man. You know, you're yeah, winded. Yeah. You don't have that same rhythm when you come back and play, man. So you got to try to get that second win. And that might take you two or three games. Right. And at that time, there were so many good teams. I mean, if you go back through, you know, the, the Celtics, the Pistons, the Bulls, the Hawks, I mean, all those guys. That's the other they, reason. That's yeah. the other reason. If you why took a night off, take. I mean, you knew that you were taking a step back from these other guys who were in form. So you couldn't yeah. take the risk. Yeah. If you took games off like that and you playing in the East, East was a monster. You, mm-hmm. you lose that game. That could set you back three games, you know. Yeah, right, so right. you always wanted to stay at least one or two games ahead. So you played as much. And if a guy couldn't play, and I know, BJ, you experienced this in Chicago, if a guy was banged up and it was questionable whether he was going to play, his teammates would say, hey, man, just can you give us a few minutes, you know. Right. You ain't got to play 25, 30 minutes, but give us a little something, take up a little space or something. You know, and so guys would do that. Now, I mean, I've seen guys get, uh, say, a sprung ankle, and they're out a month. <laughs> I've never missed a game for a sprung ankle, and I had at least twenty. <laughs> it's just, it's just a difference in the times we live in. You know, you know, we were we were some warriors, man. Yeah. That's plain and simple. I mean, can you imagine? Now I'm six nine, and I played small forward. I had no reason or no interest in playing power forward <laughs> at all. <laughs> I had no interest. You'd be a center today, though, Nick. You'd be a center today. I'd be a center. Hey, man. You'd be John Collins today. Then, man, them power forward. But that, that's why they call them power forward, because they will whoop your ass. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, hey, them guys. Hey, man, Kevin Willis used to sit in the locker room, in the weight room before every game. And he had elbow pads on, and he's on the weight bar, and he had raw onions on his chest. I looked at him, what's up with the raw onions? He said, I'm psyching myself out, dog. I got to go to war. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay. And he had so much weight on the bar, the bar be slightly bent. He'd be 400 pounds on the bar, and he'd throw it up six times. And he'd jump, jump up, start hitting himself. I'm going to knock me so-and-so out tonight. Don't get in foul trouble, big fella. <laughs> you know? But that's the way it was, man. Them guys, they, they were playing. Because, you know, Kevin used to say, look, I'm training and I lift weights, you know, and I keep myself together because I got to protect him. Right. I'm his enforcer. Mm-hmm. And that's how all them power forwards were back then. I'm, hey, you, you didn't play both forwards. Not unless you was a six, yeah, right. nine and a half, six, ten guy and you can be that kind of combo forward. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting. It's a legitimate sportsbook based right here in the U.S., so you can rest assured that your funds are totally secure. DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. New users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Head to the app right now and check out all that they have to offer, including player props, live betting, and so much more. If the sportsbook app is not yet available in your state, 
Don't forget about the DraftKings Fantasy app. They are offering a shot at over $1 million in total prizes every day this week. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code LASTDANCE. That's one word, last dance, even though that is two words. It's one word this time when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. I will say it again, just enter code last dance when you sign up, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to Dominique Wilkins. Dominique, I, I want to ask you a question that um, talking a little bit about today's game. Did you ever anticipate, like, when I played with, like, Steve Kerr, I never thought he would be a coach. Did you ever think that Doc Rivers was going to be a head coach? At first, no. But I think probably the, his fifth year of me playing with him, we knew he was going to be a coach one day. Really? He was a great floor leader, man. He was a great floor leader, man. And what I loved about Doc, that he wasn't afraid – to tell you when you're wrong or speak up when things he felt was right. He, he spoke his mind. And the thing is, we can curse each other out and never took it personal. It's just business. But he put everybody in position to be successful. And so that's when I knew, I said, Doc, going to be a coach one day. We knew it. Mm. Mm. And, and you play with a lot of guys that were, you know, I guess heroes now when you look back at NBA icons. And one of them is Spud Webb, and you guys went head-to-head in a dunk contest um, just having that moment in time, you have the Michael dunk contest, but also you have the Spud Webb dunk contest. Being a part of those two pieces of history in, in dunk history, what was it like to go against Spud Webb? Did you feel like you had an unfair advantage because Spud had, you know, the. Well, first the of all, I didn't know he could do some of those dunks. I didn't know he could do some of those dunks. You know, he held back on me. He held back on me. He went to a gym and was doing that stuff in the gym. And I, you know, I had him in the locker room and I, you know, I cursed him out a little bit. You know, <laughs> like, you've been working on that stuff. But I was happy for him to win, even though I probably won again. <laughs> but for him, because he was my best friend and nice. I was happy that he won. It was great for him because it helped his career mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a funny kind of way. So, uh, hey, hats off to him. He was amazing, though. You, yep. you, you know, Nick, when, when you played in that era, um, you played, you know, it was that three position was a monster. It was Ooh, a monster. Man. It, it was a monster. It, there's a couple guys I want to ask you about because you saw it firsthand, right? And I, I want to ask you this two-part question. One, who was the toughest player you had to guard? But before you answer that question, I want to know about Bernard King. You saw him in his prom. Mm-hmm. And you played against Dr. J. Mm-hmm. And... I didn't get a chance to play against the doctor. And when I saw Bernard, he was coming off of the ACL injury at the time. But what was what was it about those two that was kind of unique? Because, I mean, you saw them guys night in and night out at that position. Well, the first thing I would tell you about doctor, everything you see guys did today, myself and, you know, the legacy he left flows out of the doctor. Make no mistake. The doctor was a ballerina in sneakers, man. I mean, he was beautiful. It was a beautiful thing to watch. I've never seen anybody to this day do some of the stuff that the doc did. I mean, he was so graceful, but played with so much grace. And he also had the power, you know, when he needed it. And so it, it's like a big brother to me. He's like in my idol, you know. So right. he could, because he gave me the opportunity in kind of an indirect kind of way 
to get to a level of excellence that I got to because I, I emulated everything he did, you know, growing up. And so doc, the doctor, to me, I always put him as, as on the top because he started all the stuff that guys do today. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, Bernard King, I never feared anybody I ever played against. I didn't care for the bird, not any of I, I didn't fear anyone. One guy made me nervous and scared me to death, and that was Bernard King. <laughs> woo, woo, woo. Hey, listen. I knew he was going to get 40. I knew he was going to get, and nothing I can do to stop him. He's going to get 40 plus. Was that turnaround really? Was it really, was it Was it lethal? It, it, it was unguardable. It's, it's un, like Kareem's hook was unguardable. Man, Bernard King's turnaround was unguardable because he never followed through when he shot it. It was all, but he shoot it like his hand would like to stop. So it was hard to guard. But what made him so lethal, he was relentless. He came at you 100 miles an hour every play. And coach used to tell me, if you don't meet him at half court, it's too late. I'm like, half court? I'm not meeting him at half court. But I found out real quick what he meant. Because if you, you didn't meet him at half court, you would look inside the side, he was already gone. And so... And he wouldn't shake your hand. He would look at you like you stole his kids or something, man. This dude was, he was focused. <laughs> so when we retired, you know, years later, the NBA called me and said, look, Bernard King has got selected on the Hall of Fame. Would you be willing to? And I'm like, me? Me and BK never spoke. We don't even know each other. I said, okay, that's Bernard. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be honored. So right before we go on stage, I said, BK, uh, there's something I want to ask you, man. I said, man, when we played, man, you would look at me, man, like I stole your kids. Man, you wouldn't shake my hand. You had the scowl on your face. And I said, I ain't fear nobody, man. You only one made me nervous. And he said, Nick, I had to be that way. I said, why? He said, because you scared the hell out of me, too. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I'm like oh, okay. <laughs> I never looked at it like that, though, B. Right. But it shows you the respect that we had for each other. We was always trying to find an edge. And like you said, that three position, it was no hiding. No, you couldn't go play. No. You couldn't go guard the four. You couldn't <laughs> guard that three guy. Yeah. You know? And all them guys averaging 20 plus a night, every night. Some of them averaging 25 or 30 every night. And so it ain't like, they not sitting at the three point line waiting for somebody to drive and kick. They coming at you off that dribble and on that post, you gotta be ready to play. Mm. Who, who, who would you say is the toughest player you ever had to play against or the best player, you know, look, obviously Kareem, exclude Kareem, Michael, and all those guys. Like, someone that just really, like you just said, you know what, I I, I really respected this man's game. The Iceman, George Gervin. <laughs> the Iceman. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. I remember in an all-star game during the summer in Lansing, Michigan, mm-hmm. and I was I was a rookie and had this guy named Kevin Loder. He was a second-year guy. And so he was guarding ice the first half, and he held ice to like nine the first half. He come in the locker room, and they looked at him, man, like, uh-oh. And, and he stopped. He said, what's your name, young fella? He said, Kevin Lord, he said, and they shook his head. <laughs> he had 54 in the second half on his dude. And he do was hollering, help. He said, nah, bro, you got to handle this by yourself, man. Yeah, yeah, ice gave him 54 in the second half, man. No, Isaiah was looking laughing because ice was like, he said, young fella, why are you working so hard? I'm going to get mine. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nate, we just got a couple more questions. I want to ask you about, this is later on in your career. This is post-Atlanta. This is when you're in Los Angeles. You're with the Clippers, and I think, you know, for, for the younger fans, they may know the Clippers of Steve Ballmer and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and competing for a title right now in the bubble. But I wanted to hear, you know, what the Clippers were maybe back in your time when you were there, if there's any stories from the Clippers days that you um, may have or, or anything like that. It was Disneyland, <laughs> for real. I mean, I tell you a situation, I never forget this, man. It's funny thing. So I get traded to Clippers, and I'm already upset, you know. Trade the Clippers, you know, but like going from the penthouse to the outhouse, you know. That's where I was thinking at the time. And so I remember being in the locker room. And this kid, anyway, this kid had some Clippers shorts on, he had a long T-shirt on. And uh, I said, uh, go get me some socks, man. He said, I ain't, no, I, don't, I ain't no ball boy. I play on this team. I'm like, oops, I ain't never seen you play before. It was Randy Wood. I never even heard of the guy. I didn't know he played. So – that was the start of it. And I remember getting ready to go to the restroom. I get up to the restroom. I look in the shower. There's a ping pong table in the shower. <laughs> and I said, Hawk, I'm like, it's a ping pong table in the shower. He said, welcome to L.A. <laughs> 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 I'm like, this ain't going to be, this ain't going to work out. This is not going to work out. And it was just, every day we had a different practice site. And we didn't have our own practice site. So it was, it was crazy. I am so happy that, Steve Ballmer has that team because he's made that team a real organization that people can be proud of. And you see what's happening there. He's turned that whole thing around. And, hey, God bless him, man. He's done a wonderful job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's great to see. And then uh, the Atlanta Hawks, uh, I just want to talk about your franchise. Obviously, one of the five retired jerseys with the Atlanta Hawks. And they come back with a rebrand, and they got the old jerseys, you know, and they kind of pay homage to your era. Are you happy to see the new, or I guess the old throwback, or whatever they want to call it, new version of the Hawks jerseys with Trey Best-looking jerseys yep. they ever had. Exactly. <laughs> you know, this show, that's unbelievable respect, you know, for me and what I mean to the organization, the franchise. So it's really nice to see, man. And uh, they're doing some special things. No, for sure. Well, Neat, it's a pleasure. Love having you on. And the next, I got the idea for the next movie. It's just going to be, I'm just going to put you in the room with MJ and let y'all tell stories. Oh, okay. And that's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the movie right there. That's, that's the only movie. That's, that's, that's the only. That's all we need. One promise, though. What's that? I tell you what. You can make, we got. We got to talk about the things we talk about over Star Weekend, man. We gonna let it all out the table. <laughs> hey, 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 Okay. Hey, but you can't put hey you can't put it in front of me. Don't think I'm gonna touch it. <laughs> gotta touch it. You know, Judas gotta get their touches. Man. Always, always. And I love you, man. Thanks so much, Dee. Oh, oh man, on, I love man. you too, bro. All right, be good, oh, man. You stay man. safe. Okay, D, be good. All right, man. You, All right. Bro. Okay, take Y'all care. Be good, bro. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. <laughs>